I think I threw them off a little bit. They were Do you have it? Okay. Let's say it. One, two. Let's rise up and say it. <laughs> One, two. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as they learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Let us pray. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we know that you're here because your word tells us that we're two or three are gathered and you are there in the midst of them. Lord, we ask that your presence in this place will make a difference in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm very grateful for this opportunity tonight to share with you guys. And I'm just going to be sharing from my own experience with God. And I'm not very old, so the experience might not be <laughs> like that of Pastor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Tonight we're going to be sharing about the faithfulness of God. I, I would really love for every one of us when we leave this place that there will be no doubt in our hearts that God is faithful. And um, I think if we actually know that, then life would be easier to go through. That means it doesn't matter what, what's going on with you. You just know that God is faithful. And the way you can hold on to God knowing that he's faithful is actually knowing the word that he has for you. Whatever the situation you're going through, there's a word for it in the scriptures. Because some people will say, I don't know how to hear from the Lord. Just read the Bible. I'm telling you, you read it. I don't know if you're following the First Samuel, the book of First Samuel that Pastor has encouraged us to read. I know it sounds like he's making you read it, but please read it. Because even if you've read it before a thousand times, some things will be jumping at you. The Lord will be speaking to you through those scriptures. Every time you open the word of God, there's always something new about it. Tonight, we're talking about the faithfulness of God. Not the faithfulness of man, because we all know that sometimes we, we make mistakes. If you want to compare God's faithfulness to your own kind of faithfulness, then you won't be able to see it. God's faithfulness is untouchable. As a woman, I can promise my child that I'm going to do A, B, C. When nighttime comes and he says, Mom, you promised to give me A, B, C, I can say, sorry, didn't happen today. God is not like that. So don't use that judgment of your own kind of faithfulness to judge God or else you won't see him as faithful. Tonight, uh, I kind of went into the dictionary to find out what faithfulness means. I mean, 
being faithful is to be loyal, is to be constant, to be steadfast. And uh, the dictionary meaning that I got was, uh, if you could put that up for, for us. Faithfulness is the concept of unfailingly remaining loyal to someone or something and putting that loyalty into consistent practice regardless of extenuating circumstances. Literally, it is a state of being full of faith in the sense of steady devotion to a person, thing, or concept. God's faithfulness is unwavering. He's not going to change it because you did something wrong yesterday. He remained faithful. The Bible says, there's a scripture that says, He is faithful and just. He cannot deny himself. That's him. That's his character. He can't change that. So tonight I'm going to tell two stories. One will be about me, about the faithfulness of God, and the other one will be about Paul in the scriptures. And we're going to see that the fact that God is faithful doesn't exempt you from going through certain things. Mm -mm. But in that thing that you're going through, you just need to remember that he is faithful and he gave you a word. Two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, Pastor and Pastor Angela, they were sharing their testimony here. That was just the faithfulness of God. The Lord gave a word to Pastor. He held on to that word. Even when in the face of all the things that were going on, uh, some of us may not understand. I, I do work hospice sometimes. In fact, every night I work hospice except Wednesdays and um, Saturdays. I walk hospice. So when they tell you you have three to six months to go, that's case closed. And when I heard the testimony, I knew that God brought him out of something really deep. You may not understand when they say that, in fact, they offer you hospice right away and they start giving you palliative care and all that. But for him to still believe that God was going to bring him out of that is because he was counting on the faithfulness of God who gave him a word before the issue came up. Praise the Lord. So let's open to Deuteronomy 7, 9. It says, Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So God is not a man. Please remember, he is God, and he is a faithful God. Second Timothy was what Second um, Timothy two thirteen says: If we believe not, he abided faithful. Even if you don't believe, he remained faithful. Isn't that awesome? Because sometimes when people, when you tell people, I'm going to do this for you, and they just say, oh, there's no way you're going to do it. It's discouraging. You don't want to do it. But God is not like that. Even in the face of your situation and you are not counting him faithful, he's still standing by and saying, I am faithful, and I'm going to be waiting till you acknowledge and know that I'm really here to help you in that regard. Uh, First Corinthians, I'm just running through these scriptures because we're going to dwell on some things real quickly. First Corinthians 1, 9. Uh, I would like the amplified version. Very good. Thank you. It says, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, 
and therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. By him you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is dependable. He is trustworthy. He is true to his word. Uh, These chairs here, when you walk in and you want to sit on it, I don't think you think about it twice. Is is this chair going to hold my weight? Because I'm sure somewhere when the manufacturers made it, they said it's going to take maybe 300 pounds. They usually specify. And once you know that you're not over that particular weight, you sit down very comfortably. You're not afraid. You just sit. God wants us to depend on him beyond that. That's just a chair, non-living thing. And you, you believe that. You, you believe that that chair will be there and will hold your weight. And we can't believe God for the things he has said to us. No, we can. We can believe him. He is trustworthy. He is ever true to his promise. So he gives you a promise and he's going to keep it. Uh, reading through First Samuel, the scriptures that Pastor uh, told us to read, I think we probably have gone beyond where we're supposed to be. But the long and short of it is, David was anointed while Saul was still king. So he knew already that God's hand was upon him and he was going to be the king. However, he was scared of Saul. And I kept thinking to myself, if David understood that he was going to be king, that God had already anointed him, and God was true to his word, then all this running around and, you know, escaping from every attack and all that, he would have been more steady and say, okay, you know what, Saul, I know your time is up. You're just camouflaging there. I know you're going to get out and I'm going to sit on that throne. But being human, he was worried that Saul wanted to kill him. He uh, talked to Jonathan. Talked, you know, different people were coming. He was doing so many things, running from one city to the other. Meanwhile, he was actually the rightful king. Saul had been rejected. His time was up, and he was just busy there. Another thing I got from there, I don't know if you do it, but this is just a side. Uh, whenever they talk about men of God, women of God, and... You probably know that they are no longer under the influence of God in that manner. Please don't join them. David refused to join them. The people with David said to him, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Just kill him. And he said, no, I will not. The Bible says, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. Wait a minute. Was Saul still anointed? I don't know. David knew he was anointed to be the king, but he would not even touch the anointed of God. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to touch him. Guess what? The people that were around him were people that knew God. Saul, on the other hand, was quoting scriptures and saying he was going to kill David. So if you don't know God, the Bible says that they that do know their God, they will be strong. They will do exploits. So if you don't know what the word of God says concerning your situation, people are going to throw word at you. So you need to know for sure that God is faithful, not because someone says it and we chant it. We, on Sunday, most of the songs we sang here was all about the faithfulness of God. And you sing it every Sunday, Wednesday. No, you've got to know that God is faithful. I remember when I wasn't even married, um, 
I was in a big church and the uh, children's church, I was kind of in charge of children's church at that place back in Africa. And one of the members who had just had the baby, lost the baby, had a stillbirth. And I wasn't married, so I couldn't, I didn't know, you know, I, I empathized with her, but I'm not in her situation. I've never experienced that. So I went to see her at her house. And as I walked out of that house, the Lord told me, if this happens to you, what would you do? So I was like, I thought, okay, devil, you're trying to bring some thoughts in my head. I said, devil, you're a liar. And let me tell you now, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. Even if it happens, I'm not going to leave God. God is good. God is, yeah, it was all good. But guess what? I got married, and our first child was a stillbirth. And I was at home really crying, and really, it's, it's a painful experience. Like, why? I love kids. Why would this happen to me? Why would I go through this? After serving God all my life, blah, 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 I was there just kind of moaning and crying. And that girl story came back to me. So I jumped up. I said, no. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. It was painful. In fact, I think about two weeks after then was Christmas, and I had been preparing the kids for Christmas play. So I got up and said, you know what? I don't have a baby. Let's go. So we went to church, and my husband said he had a testimony. Back in Africa, you can stand, testify from morning till night on a Sunday, and everybody is not saying we want to go home at 12. But He said he had a testimony, and the church, they were looking at him like, are you for real? The the fact that you guys are in church today even is mind-boggling, and then you're saying you have a testimony. He comes out, he says, well, I'm really grateful that my wife is alive. We we lost the baby, but she's alive, and we're really grateful. You know, he was just praising God, and we all praised God. We gave our Thanksgiving offering and danced back to our seat. And... The crossover night, the new year, you know, it was Christmas season, the new year, watch night. We got back home from the night vigil and we sat down and said, what do we want God to do for us this new year? So we took out a paper, plain sheet of paper, and we started writing. One, because the devil stole from us that one child, we wanted twins. Because... We wrote that down. We wrote two. We wanted to relocate. We didn't specify. We didn't even know whether America. I think he was thinking more Australia. We wrote that down. He needed a new job with a car attached. We wrote that down. In fact, every single thing we wrote down there, the Lord fulfilled them. Every single one. In fact, we specified career paths for the children. What they would do in the house of the Lord. We specified that. And I saw God, one after the other, check all those boxes. And I said, I said, but we didn't even fast. We didn't even, what did we, how did we pray this prayer again? We look at the list. What did we do different? Nothing. We just sat down. We didn't even kneel down. We just sat down and said, what do we want from the Lord? We wrote them down and we saw God faithfully bring those things to pass. And today, we're grateful. You all know that we did have the twin boys by his grace, and God has been faithful. But 
The fact that God answered that prayer, you don't want to know how they came. I was comatose two or three weeks before they came. So the devil was still roaring, trying to get rid of them, deal with them, or not let them see the light of day. But God is faithful. He says, none of you shall be barren. And if you hold on to that word, whatever area of barrenness that is facing you, you can go through. And my father-in-law was alive then. He said in his whole life, 82 years old at that time, he had never seen any twins in their family. So, because usually they say, oh, it's generation, no. So if you're believing God for kids tonight, you're believing God for whatever it is, it doesn't matter if they say it never happens or it's not usually that way. God is faithful. So let's look at um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, there had no temptation. There had no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. So whatever you're going through, it's common to man. Somebody else has gone through it one time or the other. It says, and God, but God, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Guess what? So if you're going through a lot, that means God thinks that you're really strong. <laughs> so just enjoy it because that means God is looking at you and saying, I know Gladys can handle that. That's a small fry. I know that Pastor Mike can handle that. I know that Pastor Goodluck can. He knows, not just the pastors, I know that everybody, I know everybody can handle it. That's why he allows those things to come to you. So God is depending on you not to let him down. Abraham did not. So God is looking at you when you're going through those things. You need to be asking, okay, God, this to me looks like it's too much. But you think I'm able to handle this. So how do you want me to handle it? And I'm telling you, every single step, he will tell you what to do. And that takes me now to the story of Paul. During this COVID, I'm really grateful for COVID period. I don't know about you. (laughs) I'm grateful in a way because as a family, we probably did our prayers once a week, maybe, but with COVID, everything shut down. So we took the Bible and we started reading as a family. Everybody, we had to come at 9 p.m. to read. And it's so amazing what you hear the kids share with you. Then you're like, oh, so they know the scriptures this way. And again, the Lord opens your eyes. They see it from a different perspective. You see it from a different way because that's how God is dealing with you. So we went through Acts. Acts of the Apostles was one of the books we went through. And I read, and when we got to Acts chapter maybe 21, but I'm going to be dwelling on 23 down, Paul had done some missionary journeys. He was going back and forth. In chapter 21, Um, Agabus, he was in a place, and Agabus, the prophet, took his, um, uh, his, um, what is it called? The belt. Took it and raised it up. Didn't know who owned the belt. And said, whoever owns this is going to be bound up if he goes to Jerusalem. And then, of course, there was a pity party. Everybody started crying. Oh, Paul, don't go. If you go, you're going to die. If you... I mean, but that was God speaking. 
God was telling them what was going to happen. But Paul knew what God wanted to do with him. God, Paul knew that God wanted him to go to Jerusalem. If you don't know what God wants you to do, I'm telling you, your Christian brothers, Christian sisters will tell you what they think is right. So you've got to know God for yourself. And that is, you need to know what is God saying to me. It might look good. To, to, I mean, to the, the hearing of everybody there, it was good that the people were crying. It was good that they were trying to persuade Paul otherwise. And then Paul told them to, to just be quiet. That what are they saying? That he shouldn't go and do what God has called him to do. That in fact, he's ready to die even if it means death. Those were Paul's words. He said he was ready to die. Do you believe God enough to be ready to die for his word? Because that's what Paul was doing. Because sometimes, we, sometimes I wonder, are we all going to that same heaven? How big is Paul's mansion going to be and how big is mine going to be? Because the kind of things, the kind of risk that those people took, sometimes we're so afraid and timid to do them. We're at work, just at your job, because they've said, don't preach the gospel. So you're a little timid, you don't want to bring it up, especially for people like us. You go into people's homes, you go into, uh, people come into the facility to see you. And you're not expected to preach at them. And then you're praying, God, give me an opportunity. God, give me an opportunity to talk to these people, which is all good. You think Paul was waiting for an opportunity like that? He just gave it to them. Every single opportunity that Paul had from that chapter 21 to the end. In fact, since his salvation of Acts 9, every single day he recounted his salvation testimony. It sounded like he was saying the same thing over and over again. Anybody he met, if he met this leader today, he would tell them, take them back to the day of his salvation and share it with them. How comfortable are you sharing your testimony, the things that God has done for you, judging God faithful, faithful that the things he has spoken to you, he's able to do them, even if you don't see them right now. So we're going to take it from Acts 23 verse 11. And he says, and the night, this was Paul, you know, being arrested. After they gave the prophecy in 21, he was actually now arrested because he was preaching in the temple. So just like I'm talking now, the police walks in and they handcuff me out. My crime is preaching Jesus. That's, that's what happened to Paul. So can you imagine that they arrested him? And he went with them. He followed them. And the night following, after his arrest, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. Called him by his name. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, because that was what he was doing. He was preaching of Christ in Jerusalem. So must thou bear witness also at Rome. And when Paul heard that word, he was very, very comforted. What this is telling him is that you're not dying here. You're going to get to Rome. It took him years to get to Rome. But he had the word of God saying, you're not dying, you're going to get to Rome. Let's see how God did it. But verse 12, that's the one that really surprises me. And when it was day, after God spoke to him, giving him assurance that he was going to get to Rome, the very next day, 
certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a cause, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Can you imagine that? The enemy just rose up. He didn't do anything to them. It's not like he did anything different between that night. But the enemy rose up and said, this guy must die. And they had their little plot. They were going to uh, ask that the, uh, the leaders bring him out. And while they are bringing him out, they will just kill him. And God, who is faithful, already told him he was going to get to Rome. So God allowed that secret to be leaked to his, um, his nephew. The nephew heard it. The nephew came to him and he said, okay, you're not just going to tell me this. You're going to go to the, to the leader to go tell that guy that, you know what, this is the plot. They want to kill me. And because God's hand was upon him, it wasn't his time. He needed to get to Rome. I don't know where you need to get to. There's a place that God has told you, promises he has given you, and you're not seeing them right now. Believe God because he's faithful. Paul knew that, oh, that's just a joke. When the boy came, he said, that's a joke. Go tell that guy because I'm not going out now. I need to get to Rome. There's an assignment for me because God told him, the way you testified in Jerusalem, you're going to also go to Rome and testify about me. So Paul was waiting for how God was going to do it. He wasn't concerned about the word, whether it's true or not, facing this circumstance he just knew in his heart that god was going to get him to rome so the boy went the um, the leader said you know what instead of waiting for these guys to jump on paul let's let him go he got 200 guards 70 uh, military people everybody they put him on a horse or camel whatever they used then and kind of shipped him off shipped him away from that environment so that the people it was the church, or let me say the religious people that wanted to kill him for preaching. So don't be surprised if people that you think are supposed to be Christians are the ones that actually would persecute you. They wanted him dead because they felt he was preaching the resurrection of Christ and uh, they didn't want to hear about Jesus. Guess what? Paul knew he was going to get to Rome. So they just shipped him out of that place and took him to a different location to go meet with another leader. When they got there, this leader this time was, I think, Felix or so. They went over there to see him. He just left Paul in jail. They will bring him out today. They will ridicule him. He, but every time they brought him out to defend himself, I think he probably was a seasoned lawyer. So he stood out there and defended himself by preaching again his salvation experience and everything he has experienced since he had come to Christ. How he used to kill Christians and how now he's uh, a Christian himself and asking people to come and know the Lord. Whatever you're going through, please preach the gospel all the same. Don't say because you're going through something, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this trouble. How do I tell somebody that Jesus is good? Jesus is faithful. He is good. Whether your situation is speaking to that, that uh, fact or that truth, it doesn't matter. Still preach and tell people that God is good regardless. 
and you will see God come through because he never fails. He is faithful. So if you know him to be faithful in your heart, then it won't be difficult to talk to other people about Jesus. Um, At the end, Paul was taken again to Festus. And when he got to Festus, I think that was a shady guy. He wanted um, some bribe. And when Paul would not give him any bribe, he decided to just ignore him there and, you know, behaved as if, if you don't give me, I'll leave you. The next person will deal with you. And the Jews kept plotting. Every day they kept plotting, plotting. If this one doesn't work, that one will work. Now, I just want to encourage you tonight. I don't know what the devil has vowed to do with you. But I want you to remember the faithfulness of God and the things that he has said concerning you. These 40 people, do you know, the the Bible didn't tell us any story about them anymore. Those 40 plus people that decided that they would not eat until they killed Paul, I think they probably died of hunger. Yeah, because because they couldn't kill him. They said they would not eat until they killed him. So they probably would have died of hunger. That's my own imagination. I just felt, okay, you would die of hunger. So if the devil is saying he's not going to let you go because... He has an agenda to destroy you, to kill you. You are the anointed of God. God has anointed you. God has called you. He can't touch. There's a song that says, can't touch this or something like that. There's one. I don't know. I I don't know if it's. (laughs) You are the anointed of God. He cannot touch you. He can try all he wants to. Um, In the case of my husband, one day I was just praying. I said, oh. Devil, if you actually think that what you're doing is going to make me change my mind about who God is, you just lost it. Because you're going to go to hell. That one won't change. And I'm going to go to heaven. So even if you decide to take me out or the Lord calls me home now, I'm going to heaven. That's a place you cannot go to. So your case is closed. There's nothing you can do about it. So you can keep trying whatever you're trying. You're just dealing with this body. You're not dealing with my spirit. So you have to come to a place where you say, in the face of your situation, you are nothing. There's nothing that will come out of this that will change my mind about who God is because he's indeed faithful. Now, in the course of this journey, Paul had to be imprisoned for so many years. So sometimes you're going through something for so long. It could be a few months, but it's just too long. It could be some years, but it's just too long. But I'm telling you, Paul stayed. He became, he became even like a boss in the prison. They, kept, they started telling them, you know what? Let him allow his people to come to him. So even in that prison, he was preaching. The people were coming for Bible study. That's favor. He was preaching. That means it was not a real threat to their existence, but they just locked him up there because the Jews were making so much noise. And probably it was safer for him to be in there than out there because they probably would have killed him. But he was there and organizing. I'm sure the Bible school I went to was for one year. He was in that jail doing Bible school for those people for two years plus. So the people were enjoying the word of God from him, a prisoner. And he was leading more people to Christ 
in his bonds, in his imprisonment, in your situation, whatever the situation is, in sickness, in whatever, in poverty, in whatever it is the enemy is throwing in your face. Preach the word. Talk to somebody about Jesus. Because you, you never know, you may never get to say that to the person again. Recently, I was really upset with myself. I think last week, Wednesday, I sent a text out to my manager. She didn't respond. I emailed her. She didn't. That's unlike her. So I, I was a little worried, so I called her. Usually, we try not to call because everything is technology-driven now. So I called her and I said, I'm worried. You didn't respond to my text and to my... She said, I'm really concerned. I'm concerned about um, my parents, the hurricane. They live in Potato and the hurricane is going to land there. I know she isn't a Christian. In fact, I don't want to say what I think because this is public. But I know she isn't born again. That was an opportunity for me to tell her, let us pray for your parents. But I didn't do that. Shame. So when I dropped the phone, I prayed for the parents. And the Lord said, why didn't you tell her so that you guys could pray together? I felt really bad. I even shared it at our family prayer meeting. And I said, we prayed again for for the parents. Thank God the storm didn't land there. But every, and our prayer point with this issue at our house was, God, don't let me miss an opportunity to talk about Jesus. It doesn't matter whether the person is your boss. And I'm going to find an opportunity. Any opening I have now with her, she's my project now. I'm going to find a way to reach her because I missed one. You know, so you, you, there are so many opportunities like that that are around us. Don't miss them. God brings them to you because he wants you to reach that person. And do you know, the, 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 the storm did not land in that place, eventually, as we all know. That would have been a good opening for me to say, you see, we prayed about it. But I prayed quietly, but I didn't pray with her directly. So I can't go back and say, you know, the Lord did this. But I'm f- going to find a way to reach her. So every opportunity we have, we don't want to miss it. We want to be able to utilize those opportunities. Because don't say because I'm, I have my own issues, I just want to get this done and out of the way. No. Paul was not even concerned. I know the prison seemed to Paul, it looks like, okay, he was at home, he was enjoying. Anytime, even if you are under house arrest, anytime someone else has authority over where you go, and what you do, you are in prison. And so it's not a comfortable feeling. But Paul made it a comfortable place for himself by preaching the gospel. So no matter what you are going through, it may not be comfortable. It may look like, oh my God, how, where, how do I get out of this thing? It's not comfortable. It's painful. Maybe it's pain. Maybe they've diagnosed all sorts. Every day they come up with all sorts of diagnoses. Every day you go to the doctor, they just see this one, this one. Neurologists will say this. Cardiologists will say that. That will say that. Uh, according to one of my old clients. He said, when I was growing up, we had just one doctor we went to. The doctor told us everything, which is what we still probably do in Africa. He said, but now, it's getting to a place where I'm going to have to take my right eye to one doctor and the left one to another doctor because everybody is specialized in their own different areas. So, and when they all start giving you diagnosis, you only went for a checkup. 
And when they start reeling out those diagnoses, you're wondering, is it all in this body that you're talking about? (laughs) You have to know to stand your ground in the face of all that. We went to one doctor recently, and he started calling some kind of diagnosis. I said, but he's not doing that. I said, he's not showing any signs of that. He said, I just want to do that test and rule it out. So we did the test. And before we could finish the test, it's not even a short diagnosis. He's already giving it to PCP. PCP is already giving it to... So I got to the PCP. PCP said, uh, they told me your husband... I said, no, mm-mm. that's not his diagnosis. That can't be his diagnosis. So we eventually land back at the originator of that diagnosis. And I said, based on the test you did now, are you still saying this diagnosis applies to my husband? He said, no. I said, please, you will write a document and send it to these people that you have already told that that was his diagnosis and tell them that it is not a valid diagnosis. Sometimes the devil just throws a lot of punches at you. You've got to use that word of God to face it because God is faithful. In the case of Paul, he finally was going to get to Rome got on that ship and he was on his way. He was advising them, don't let's go this way. Don't let's sail now. Because he had the Spirit of God. But they looked at him, common prisoner. What do you have to say? You are in prison. In fact, because we are all in this boat, you're supposed to be handcuffed and chained somewhere. Sometimes the devil thinks that's what he needs to do to us. And Paul said, okay, if you will not listen, that's fine. Guess what? There was a storm. Somebody is in prison. There was a storm and they were now debating whether to throw the prisoners into the waters and kill them. But Paul remembers also that he must still get to Rome. So you need to remember what God tells you when the devil throws another card or another curveball at you. That, oh oh no, God says that, uh, pastor says, he, God told him he's going to get $40 million. God says, I'm going to get the 40 million. I haven't seen it yet. Therefore, I'm not going anywhere. You need to know what God has told you. And you need to hold on to those promises. And say, I haven't seen this come to pass. He says, I will see my children's children. I haven't seen them. So, I'm not going anywhere. He says that he has blessed me beyond measure. And I look around myself. Okay, I need to be very blessed for me to know that okay, the word of God in my life is working. If I can't see the things that God said he will do in my life, because I judge him faithful, then I can hold on to that word forever. Even if I die holding on to the word, I will hold on to that word. Paul told them, this, and then after he stood up and said, you know what, God told me that every life here will be saved. And it's because of Paul, not because of those people. Every life here, we're not going to lose any life. Everybody will be saved. So let's just keep going. Then they finally get to shore somewhere in that shipwreck. Hasn't Paul suffered enough? <laughs> then they bring out sticks to bonfire to get warm. And then a viper, a snake, jumps out at Paul. And the people there said, Ah, this guy must be of the devil. Because he survived this storm. All this trouble he has survived. Now he's here, a snake is jumping out at him. And that's what people will say. When they see that you've been going through a lot of stuff, people start to ask, didn't he say he's a Christian? Didn't she say she believed God? How come? Is she the only one? 
There were other people in that, in that ship. How come it was only Paul that the snake went to? Because he was the only one that would be able to fend the snake off. Because he had the power of God on the inside of him. So when you start asking those questions, remember that God feels that, knows that you are strong enough to deal with those situations. So that's why they are coming to you. And when they come like that, you say, okay, God, I, I, I don't know about this, but you tell me, how are we going to deal with this? And he will. And on the strength of the word of God that you have, not just the word of God that someone preaches at you, the word of God that has become real to you in your heart. The word of God that when they wake you up in the middle of the night, you are able to say, yes, this is what God told me. What has God told you? If you don't know, read the word. If you don't know, as you are reading the word, even that first somewhere that we're reading now, as you are reading it, the word of the Lord will jump to you on a personal note. And that word, you hold it very dear and close to your heart. When the enemy starts to bring issues to you, you say, this is the word of the Lord to me. I can't see that in this situation. That's not what I'm saying, and I'm going to see it. And eventually, Paul got to Rome. He got to Rome. Do you imagine the confidence that he had? As soon as he heard that word back in Jerusalem, when the Lord told him, this preaching you preached in Jerusalem that they are chastising you for, you're still going to do it in Rome. That built up his confidence. Whatever God has told you is to build up your confidence in his faithfulness. He is faithful. He's not a man. Remember, he's not like me and you that will promise the children. I was telling the kids in Sunday school on Sunday, I said, when your daddy, because uh, we're talking about the ark, David, um, bringing back the ark of covenant to uh, the city of David. And David forgot totally the instruction. But remember, God is faithful and just. Which means, if you're doing something wrong, He's not going to say, mm, let me leave Gladys alone. He's going to deal with it. Whatever the punishment is, you're going to get it. Except you repent. So, he is faithful and just. This guy, just, he thought he was helping God hold the ark. And he died. And we went back to read where the law was given that nobody should touch it. But he touched it. He died on the spot. David cried. He didn't bring him back to life. That's the justness of God. And as he's that just, he's that faithful to his word. So if he gives you a word and says, I'm going to do this, he will keep it. You may not want to keep your side of the bargain, but he is too faithful to ignore his part of the bargain. And that's why he is God. That's why I love him, because I can rest, I can sleep knowing that God will never forsake me nor leave me. If that's the only word you have, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Hold on to it. It doesn't have to be that you hear this big voice in the night or small voice in the morning that says, oh, my daughter, my daughter. No, it doesn't have to be that. It's the word. Claim that word for yourself. Believe that word. Hold it and say, God, you said this. Why am I thus? Why am I like this? If your word says this, so what's happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And because he knows that you can handle it. Whatever you can't handle. Except we don't believe the word we read. You know we just read saying that he will not allow anything 
that is beyond us to happen to us, except we don't believe it. If we believe it, that, is, that means we're judging God faithful. So whatever comes our way, we stand against it by that same word, the word of God. The word of God is true. He is a faithful God. He will not deny himself. So I just want us to bow down our heads now. We're going to do some warfare. If you want to stand, stand. Those people that binded themselves together that they were going to kill Paul, they were serious. What is the devil doing to you now? What has he determined that he wants to do to you, to your children, your grandchildren, whatever? What has the devil planned to do? Take the word of God that you know. The word of God says, you shall not die, but live to declare the works of God. So if that's the only word you can pick tonight, take that word and say, Satan, you can't kill me. I am a child of God and I will live to declare the works of God. Is he a loved one that is sick or a loved one that is going through some really, really trying times? Or children that have walked away from home and no longer want to know the Lord? Or, you know, whatever it is that the enemy is doing around you. It may not be directly at you, but when it's doing something to somebody like we pray every night, I take authority over my neighborhood. I say, I take authority over 3,000 kilometers around my house. Just because somebody lives 3,000 kilometers radius of my house, the Lord will have to keep them because I live there. So those people that things would touch, that would touch you, you want to bring them in. Pray for them. Take the word of the Lord and pray for them. And tell God about his promises. Remind him of his promises. He is able to keep them. Forget about how he's going to do it. He will do it. Pastor Goodluck didn't know how God was going to come through for him. God did it. He went on the strength of the word that, Son, this one is different, but I'm taking you through it. And did God do that? He's, at least he's, this is not Paul now. This is flesh and blood with us. We are all alive now together so it's not something somebody wrote down it's te- and there's so many testimonies here mama joy if she opens her mouth to testify of the goodness of god in sunday school when she shares the testimonies of the things god has done you see god as a faithful god and it's not peculiar to anybody we all have situations that we've gone through and we've seen god god's faithfulness so tonight just bow down your head and talk to god remind him of his promises to you and bring them in his presence tonight and ask, Father, I just thank you tonight. Thank you because your word never fails. You are a faithful God. You remain it faithful even when we are unfaithful. I just want you to begin to pray. Remember, some people are gathered together. The enemy is thinking he's going to take you out. But because of the promises of God and the faithfulness of God, he can't do that. Those people that bound themselves together saying they were going to destroy Paul, they ended up not being able to do it. So tonight, in the strength of that word, you know as many as have gathered, whether they gathered in the flesh or in the spirit, 
they can't get you because of the promises of God over your life. Father, we just want to thank you for your word that is true. Your word that is faithful. You cannot deny yourself. You are a faithful God. Father, we thank you for as many as are sick and, 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 and weak amongst us. Lord, we thank you because your word says that healing is the children's bread. We claim that bread for every single one of them tonight. We claim the bread of healing, the bread of health, the bread of prosperity. We claim it before you this day in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And so, Father God, we thank you. Lord, we appreciate you. Lord, we judge you faithful. Lord, in this room, we judge you faithful. Those that are at home watching, they judge you faithful. Lord, every promise that you have given to us, we know assuredly that you are able to bring it to pass. Father, we ask that every one of us would arrive at the Rome that you have created for us. At the place that you have called us to be. We will get there because your word tells us we must surely get there. Lord, we thank you because in our health, in our finances, in our day-to-day -day activity, we will get there. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, O oh God. Lord, we appreciate you for tonight. And we say, Lord, we will not go back feeling dejected, feeling that you are not there. We would know assuredly that you are with us all the time and you remain faithful. Thank you, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.